are so excited to be back with you all today. We, um, for those that don't know, we um, went home to visit our family. We haven't, we hadn't been to Louisiana um, since pre-COVID, so we went home um, for a couple of weeks and got to eat all the seafood. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus, <laughs> and visit with our family. And um, while we were there, we were we were just going to tell the, our pastors, the Baileys, hello. And they asked us to speak at their Brush Arbor event. And for those that don't know, there was a Brush Arbor a revival. And um, so this was kind of like um, with that in mind. And they had the back property cleared out. And they, they had their church camping out on the back property. Huge bonfire. And there was a stage set up. And we just had service under the stars. And um, it was awesome. And so we were supposed to do two services. And when we got there, they were like, hey, um, we're so sorry. Like, nobody's here. We're so sorry. And so we just kind of laughed. And we said, look, we were coming to spend time with you, so it's okay. And we're just going to, even if we sit around the campfire, right, and talk about the things of God. And next thing you know, the whole back property was packed. And God showed up in a very unusual way. And um, if you've ever been in the South and you know what humidity is, PZ's Bible was like sopping wet, right? The ground was disgusting, and these people are rolling all over the grass. And that began what was two meetings into now has been eight. And so that's where Pastor is at, and it has been so amazingly unusual. So we're going to share a couple testimonies, and I'll, I'll share this with you before we start. So they, one of their staff members had gone to a gas station and ran into a Muslim woman. And she just felt led by the Lord to invite this woman to come to church the next morning. And the woman began to weep and said that she was Muslim going through a very ugly divorce. And the Lord Jesus came to her in a vision and said not to fear that someone was going to invite her to church and lead her in the way. So she cut, yeah, come on. This isn't like 2,000 years ago. This is like today in America. And she came to church, and she came to the altar and got born again, and she kept saying, I'm converted to Christianity. I'm converted to Christianity. <laughs> so needless to say, when they asked for a pastor to stay, um, we said yes. Just as we, get, we send out and we go to Italy or we go to Africa and God does things, it's the same thing. We went out to New Orleans and God has done an unusual work. And we keep saying unusual because it's not like anything we've really experienced. It's something fresh and something new and we're just excited. And, and so we, we've sent Pastor out yet again and we're believing the same thing that he's doing down there. Um, that it's a taste of what he's going to do here in Northeast Ohio. Amen? So, Brock, why don't you go ahead? Let's enjoy these testimonies um, from New Orleans. What's you can dim the What's lights, happened Joe. To you? What happened the other night? I just... <laughs> his, his presence is just so good. I just... <laughs> I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? <laughs> trying to get my sentence off. I just, 
I've been trying to focus on him so much. And he's just been so good. And he's so good. He's so good, and he's just, he's amazing, and, and I, and I, <laughs> and I feel like our attention just needs to be on him at all times, and we, and we, and we get, and we get worried with other things of the world, but <laughs> The only thing that's going to stop our worries is just focusing on him. (laughs) And it took me a while to get that. But now that I have it, I don't want to let it go. It's just so good. Jesus is touching us. Come on up. Come on. You can you can give that to somebody else, I promise. Oh, you're doing that. I thought you had a testimony. Well, you can do that too. You got a testimony? Hang on a second. You can't come up here. You got to testify. so good I mean 
so good. What's your name? Gabriella. Gabriella, what's God doing? Everything. <laughs> He's doing everything. Last, um, last service, when you prayed for me, I, I never felt God's presence so strong ever. It was, <laughs> I just, I, I don't even know how to explain it. That's how good it felt. Like, <laughs> I never felt anything like what I felt the other night, and I, I can't even put into words how amazing it was. It was just amazing. I felt I didn't even want to leave. I wanted to stay there forever. I was like, <laughs> I was like, God, if this is what heaven like, just take me now because <laughs> that's that's how amazing it was. I just <laughs> it was it was amazing. <laughs> I felt I really felt God. I felt Him. He was there. And nobody can't tell me that he wasn't there because I felt him. He was there. I felt breakthrough. Felt what? I felt breakthrough. (laughs) Jesus. you lift your hands right where you are this morning. Just say, won't you do it here, Lord? Won't you do it here, Lord? Pour out your spirit. If you have your heavenly language, just begin to pray. If you don't have your heavenly language yet, just cry out to Jesus. More, Lord. More, Lord, curry ala la basson doriambra babasi. Ki ari ala la basson roboboshi katai. Ki ala la basata rababakatai. Ki arababasson roriali ala la basi. Ora rari ala la soro. Peri Oh, we wait upon you, Jesus. <laughs> Don't grow weary. Continue to press in, church. Continue to press in. At home, press in. Don't get comfortable on that couch. You've got to stand on your feet. You stand on your feet, but we press in. We press in this morning, God. We press in this morning. We press in this morning, shaking off the things of the world, shaking off the muck, shaking off the muck of the world that's gotten on us, shaking it off. 
Get your eyes off of me, the Lord says. Get your eyes off of the preacher and on to him. He is in this place. He is in this place. He'll bless him, Lord. Bless him as he leaves. That you would arrest him. That you would arrest him with the Holy Ghost. You came here this morning looking for Jesus in one way, and he's coming another. He came to confound the wise. Come in a different way. Yet he was so blinded. He was so blinded, wanting to do good. He was so blinded. Jesus is here. Get your eyes off the preacher and onto him. We yield to his presence. We yield to the person of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. We yield to his purposes, to his plans, for his ways are not our ways, nor his thoughts our thoughts, for as high as the heavens are above the earth are his thoughts higher than ours. We yield. Have your way in us, God. David danced wildly before the Lord. The Lord had apprehended his heart, had apprehended David, and, and he danced wildly before the Lord, free, free from the cares of the world, free from all those around him. He danced wildly, so wildly that his underwear showed. Oh my! You get upset when there's a woman in the pulpit. Come on. <laughs> and David's wife got so mad at him. He says, I'll even be more undignified than this. Who is the Lord that he should be mindful of you? There are some 
that now just put your feet under the pews watch your toes mama's in the house because there's some here today that think a little too highly of themselves that may think a little too high of where their religion has taken them but our religion will not get us into heaven the blood of the lamb gets us into heaven and so we have to be apprehended by Jesus himself and as he apprehends us as he takes a hold of us we apprehend him right back we apprehend him right back we find ourselves like David wildly dancing before the Lord not giving a rip about the world around us, not giving a rip about our titles. You don't think that I would like to come up here and be a little proper sometimes and be like, Lord. But that's not the gift of God within me. There's a gift of God inside of each and every one of us, church. A gift of God purpose for such a time as this and each and every one to be used for his glory for the benefit of those around us. Revival in the Great Lakes. But we've got to allow him to apprehend us and apprehend him right back. Lord, if you say go, I'll go. So often we pray the, Lord, if you'll just move. It would be, be great. You know, so-and-so, they need to get born again. And sister so-and-so. <laughs> Just have to fix that now. But we don't yield to his voice and his person and allow us to be gripped and changed for his glory. It's never pretty. It always hurts. There's always a pressing but it's always worth it. I'll give you this example. Years ago, we had this, we, Zach and I would, we, we were associate pastors and campus pastors and youth pastors and young adult pastors. We kind of did all of that at the same time at one point in our life. And um, so we took all of these youth and young adults over in a van, a 15 passenger van to the North Shore. It was about an hour drive to our other campus for service on a Saturday night. This one little girl, probably 17-ish, came with us, and she's crying out to the Lord. We're in worship practice. She's crying to the Lord, Lord, use me. I'll do anything for you. Nobody's ever prayed that, right? And she was about that violet, right? I mean, she's just going for it. And we're like, yeah, go, Lord, get her, God. And then... All of a sudden, we find out the children's minister of the night was sick. It was not coming. We were in a bind. Well, she just prayed that prayer. She looked pretty serious. I mean, she was flailing herself. She was giving her body to the Lord. We're like, yes, she's in. We've got it covered. Hey, sister so-and-so, children's are, you know, they're not here tonight. Can you go ahead and step in? Oh, no, I don't do kids. No, 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 no. Seriously, 
like you get to minister to 30 some odd kids tonight and share the gospel of Jesus. Whatever, whatever it is that you want to share. You want to go preach tonight? No, I don't do kids. You can find somebody else. Hey, can you help greeting today? Hey, we need volunteers for super service. Hey, would you mind helping out with the modesty cloths? Hey, can you make phone calls? Hey, can you share with the lady at the gas station about service? Lord, I don't talk to strangers. It's so easy to look at other people and think, I wouldn't do that. Come on. But how often does God speak to us in that moment or give us opportunities that are uncomfortable, that we do not like or want? You know, I was called into the ministry. I knew I was called into the ministry. But I had a problem being a woman preacher because people like to judge. And so I go on my first missions trip. And I'm with my best friend of the time. who's He's a guy. He's, he, he married another one of our friends. So best friend Mike's there. My spiritual dad, Todd, is there. And we are at the penitentiary, right? And in the Philippines, the prisons are like as small as like this one section of pews and it's two levels and you literally can't move because you're on top of people, right? And, and, and there's people literally in the rafters up top and it was crazy. And Nancy Alonzo, many of you know Nancy, was leading the trip and we do worship and then she looks over and says, you're up. And that was how long I had to prepare for my first ever message. You're up. It's never easy. And it's always uncomfortable. But a lesson I learned in that moment, as I said, and I stepped up into the place of ministry, was that there's a bubble of grace around each and every one of us for what we're called to do. And so no matter how uncomfortable I ever get, I'm always uncomfortable. His grace is sufficient. He's calling us out, church. He's calling us higher. He's calling us into a place of newness of life that he might display his glory. It's time for us to awaken, to allow him to apprehend us, that we might see the nations lit on fire for him. It's time to wake up. Everybody say wake up. Start in Ezekiel 3. Y'all doing okay? Zach is preaching at a different church in the New Orleans this morning. He'll be doing revival services tonight. 
6 o'clock their time, so it's 5 o'clock our time. If you're able to hop online, we'll post the link on Realm and, and Facebook if you'd like to jump on. Oh, 6 o'clock their time, 7 o'clock our time. I am messed up when it comes to the times. I don't know if I'm coming or going with the times. But we made it back. 1,200 miles cross country with my little ones. We made it back. Thank you, Jesus. So we're in the season of Advent. And Advent is about the anticipation of the coming of the Lord. The anticipation about the birth of Christ, that Jesus stepped into humanity. He stepped into his creation. But Advent is also about the anticipation of the Lord's return, that he's coming back. He's coming back for a church. And, you know, at the end of the year, when we, when we get ready for Christmas season, it's interesting. It's like we're all going full speed ahead. And then all of a sudden Thanksgiving comes, and it's like everybody just wants to go. It's all about parties and food and cake and pies and sweet treats and more parties and presents and lights and it's cold and snowy and I just want, I'm just, yeah, it's the end of the year. We made it. We're good, right? Wrong. Today is December 5th, 2021. We have 26 days left of 2021. That is 26 days to make the most out of this year. That's 26 days to prepare us for the best year yet. 26 days to prepare our hearts for what God is doing and is going to do in the coming year. That is 504 hours. That's a lot of time. That is 30,240 minutes. That's a lot of time that you and I don't want to waste. Kicking back and just saying, well, we made it. I made it another year. I made it through another COVID year. I'm going to sit back and just chill. What are you going to do with the next 30,240 minutes? Think about it. You and I have a choice. What are we going to do? Ezekiel 3:17 says, "Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth." And give them warning from me. I have 26 days left of 2021. And I'm going to sit as a watchman on the wall. I'm going to sit as a guard in the king's army. At watch for his people. Looking out for the coming of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to sit out and I'm going to look upon the land. And I'm going to see what it is at work in the land around us, that I might be prepared to warn his people, that I might be prepared to encourage and exhort and lead the army in the days ahead. Psalm 90.12 is a great reminder for what it is we're to do with our days. In the NET version, it says, So teach us to consider our mortality, 
that we might live wisely. For some listening today, whether online or in the building, the next 26 days might be all that we have. Our mortality becomes a reality in his presence. The Holman Christian version says, teach us to number our days carefully that we might develop wisdom in our hearts. You know, when we're young and dumb, I mean, when we're young, we think we know everything, right? We graduate high school and we are going to change the world. We meet our spouses and we get married and we think, our marriage is going to be perfect. And we're going to show everybody how to live godly. And then reality comes. Scripture tells us, Lord, teach me to number my days that I might grow, that I might develop a heart of wisdom. Lord, teach me to number my days that I might learn how to use them for your glory. You see, we can't live in these fairy tale rose gold glasses of how we think life should be. We are to work. Come on now. We're not to be lazy. We're to work. We're to take care of our households, take care of our families. We're to take care of our bodies. We're to take care of ourselves. But we are to make wise use of our time. And so I want to share and take a look this morning at two different people in the Bible and how they fulfilled their last days. One is Judas. And one's Paul. And we all know the story of Judas. We can go to Luke 22 and verse 3. During the Passover meal, it says, Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought out opportunity to betray him in the absence of the multitude. And in verse 47, it says that while Jesus was still speaking, behold, a multitude and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. And Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? Judas thought that he knew better than Jesus. You see, we, so often we say, that's not me. That couldn't be me. But Judas was one of the 12. Judas was in every service that Jesus ever preached. He was, every time Jesus broke bread, there he was. Jesus had every opportunity, if not more, that you or I have today, come on, to be right before the Lord. But Judas wasn't worried about yielding his will to Jesus. He wanted to have a part in it. He wanted to have his way because he knew better. Scripture tells us what? That pride comes before the fall. Sometimes we think we know better than our leaders. We know better than our pastors. We know better than our bosses. We know better than the governments. We know better than all. Instead of yielding, 
the government's upon whose shoulders? Leah's? Heather's? The government's upon his shoulders. I could do it so much better, Judah said. I could do it better. I'm going to arrange. He, the crazy thing is it says Satan entered him. Satan entered him, and he goes off and thinks that he is doing the work and will of God. In that moment, he did not think he was betraying Jesus. Jesus is even at the Passover said, someone's going to come betray me. And he still got up and left because he didn't think he was going to be the one to betray him. Come on. What does scripture say about in the last days, even the elect? Woo! How do you and I keep ourselves in the love of God? Scripture tells us that we're to what? We're to pray in the Holy Ghost. That we might keep ourselves in the love of God. Why? Because our minds and our will will always lead us astray until we're yielded. Come on to the Holy Ghost. Not my will but yours. Scripture tells us in Psalms to delight ourselves in the Lord. And he'll give us what? The desires of our heart. We've got to, when we delight ourselves. I used to get mad at that verse. Jesus, I love you. I was like a Judas and didn't even know it. When I truly delight myself in him, yielding me for him, yielding what I expect for his presence, and I fully yield unto him, I surrender my will to his perfect will. And in doing so, my desires begin to align with his. And as I align with his, he begins to give me the desires of my heart. As I'm yielded to his. Judas thought he was the man. Judas was not the man. You know, what are some ways that we can watch that? Lord, how do I know if that's me? Look, stay in your word. In the Bible. Spirit and truth must kiss. We stay in the Bible and we pray in the Holy Ghost. Those two in our lives aren't going to lead us astray. If we're not sure, we go to our leadership. God has planted us back there, Teresa. I found out your name. He has planted us in a local church. And there's what? There's a five-fold ministry, the pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists. Come on. For what? The equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. We are his governing authority in the church. If we are going against where God planted us as a covering, we're out of line. Right? We're out of line. And maybe you did hear from the Lord. But if your leadership isn't in agreement, maybe it's not the time. I'm stepping on someone's toes right now. Maybe, maybe God's using leadership to stop it so he can work something new out in you. I'm trying not to look at anybody because I have no idea who he's speaking to. (laughs) And in the appointed time, everybody say appointed time, he's going to speak to your leadership and he's going to align it with what he's told you. Come on. And release you for whatever that is. Come on. 
God called Zach and I years before we ever stepped out in faith to senior pastor, and we waited for the appointed time. And you know what? If pastors Frank and Paris did not give our, their blessing, we wouldn't have come to celebration. I'm serious. Not because we're super spiritual, but because I am scared to death to be a Judas. I am scared to death to be outside of the will of God. And I know, I know that I know that I know that I've been planted in the house of God. I have been planted under the leadership of the Baileys, and I have been planted in Celebration Church. Come on. I have the covering of our board, and I have the covering of our spiritual leaders. Come on. That's how we know if we're in alignment. So you got Judas, who was a fool. Now let's take a look at Paul. Paul, we all know, his last days, he was where? He was in jail. So I want to look at his last writing, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Go ahead and pull that up, Brock. It's long, but y'all bear with me. It says, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober. You know, I'm so sorry to step on your toes again. But let us just read that one more time as we go into the holiday season. God's been dealing with somebody about that stinking drink. And you want to just, I know we're going to take a bunny trail. You want to justify it because you don't feel that you're getting drunk. Not really. But who are we to put a measurement on how much of something is okay and how much of something is sin? My job as a believer is to stay in the presence of Jesus. Come on, not to see how close I can get to sin without actually diving in. That scripture we just read, can you put it back, Brock? It says, but let us who are of the day, or any of you of the day, or any of you of the light. Okay, Carl and me, and you are of the day, like three of us are of the day. Is there anybody of the day out there? Yes. Be sober. Did you know that you can have fun being sober? I have spent 21, 22 years sober. I, y'all, I didn't spend 21 hours sober back in the day. I would wake up and roll over, and there would be my joint that I would hit from the night before, before my feet ever hit the floor. I'm not joking. 
and I liked it. I liked to have fun. I was the center of the party. I party as much today as I want to. I party in the presence of Jesus. I get to live in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and am absolutely fully satisfied that I don't need the drink of the world because I have a drink of living water that I'll never thirst again. If you will put away that bottle, if you'll turn around and walk away from it, you don't even have to tell anybody else you're going to do it. Just turn around and walk away from that bottle. You walked in here eight years ago, a drunken fool. Did y'all know that Kathy walked in here a drunken mess? She walked in an alcoholic, and she walked in redeemed. She left this place redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, never to drink again. That can be your story this Christmas season, that you never have to lift the bottle again because Jesus is enough. You want to know why your family's not getting saved? Ooh, I'm going to step on your toes. You want to know why things are all messy in your world? Well, if you want to mess with the devil, guess who you've invited to play? I don't have time for that sucker, so I'm not inviting him into my house. I'm not inviting him into my life. Walk away from sin. Run. Run away from sin. Okay, we'll get back to our scripture. Putting on the breastplate. Go back one, Brock. I'm following you. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, and whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you're also doing. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Ooh-hoo! Come on, somebody. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. Whoa. See that no one renders evil for evil, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give everything. Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. His story's a little different from Judas's. Just a little, yeah, mic drop. Just a little different from Judas's. Paul had been pressed, he had been persecuted, he had been beat, 
He was in jail. He was going to die for the sake of the gospel. And yet he is still upholding the Lord Jesus Christ. He's admonishing you and I how to live a holy life, how to consider others worthy, how to to walk and live a life to present ourselves holy and blameless, sanctified every area of our life. This is the man who wrote most of the New Testament, and yet he was still saying that you and I might present our whole spirit, soul, and body blameless before the Lord Jesus. Don't you think he might have had a hold of something? Two totally different lives lived for the gospel. What is God speaking to you and I today? How are we going to live the last 26 days of 2021? Y'all, I'm telling you, there's something stirring in our spirits. There's something stirring in the land that for such a time as this, you and I are here in the kingdom of God. You, it's time that we consider Jesus. Consider Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hebrews 3 tells us, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him. Consider, when was the last time, and I'm serious, think about it, that you just sat and considered Jesus? our apostle and our high priest thought upon who he is, who he is for you, who he is for me. He is our heavenly high priest. As my heavenly high priest, Jesus has always sat in intercession for me. He's always sat in intercession for you. That means when you were in your lowest, think about that worst night of your life. I think about mine. There was a hit out on our life from the mafia. My boyfriend was dealing for them. He had stolen from them. They had busted it and found it out. There was a hit on our life. We were high on crystal meth. Help me, Lord Jesus, forever sharing that on this mic out there for the internet world hadn't slept in days and I'm in the mirror and my whole face is and I'm looking in the mirror who are you who are you you should be ashamed you're going to be killed and murdered and your body's going to be found in a ditch and your mom and dad are going to have to identify your body. What have you done with your life? In that moment, my Jesus, my heavenly high priest was interceding on my behalf. He was interceding on your behalf in that worst moment. When we consider who he is, come on. If he was interceding for me then, he's interceding for me today. He'll be interceding for me tomorrow, and I can rest in who he is. He brought me through that filth, and he's going to bring me through today. We consider our heavenly high priest. 
We consider that Jesus sits in the heavens today as the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. That scripture that Pastor Brandon read, Acts 1.8, that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. To be my witness, he sits in the heavens and pours out his spirit. Another one just like him. I can rest upon Jesus today as I know that he sits in the heavens and pours himself out for me and for you. That I don't have to worry about my abilities and my will because I can rest in his. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what family situations you're facing. Some of them are pretty grim. But I know that Jesus I know the baptizer in the Holy Ghost who's available for you today as a baptizer pouring out his Holy Ghost and fire for you. That you will be able to supernaturally do that which you couldn't do before. You can't love them ugly things. You can't. You're not going to outsmart them or outwit them or outbible them. Some of you go get your apologetics Bible and go tit for tat. You aren't smart enough. The devil's been after that a long time. But the baptizer and the Holy Ghost will equip you and give you word in due season for that person. Come on. He'll take that apologetics Bible you've been studying and bring to remembrance a word in due season for that person. We consider Jesus the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. And as we look at verse 2 there, it says that Jesus who was faithful to him who appointed him, because he's already proven himself faithful, he was faithful to enter his creation. He was faithful to overcome sin and death for you and I. We know that he's faithful to his word, that he will complete his work in us. And if he's faithful to complete his work in us, he's going to complete it in others too. You know, I had a very interesting holiday, and I'm going to spare you. I'm going to spare you a lot of it. But I got called an a-hole. Yeah. That's pretty much what I said. I said, did you just call me that? Did you? Oh, you did. Okay. But I considered who Jesus is. By the very least of those who I thought would do something like that, you don't want to know what else. But Jesus has proven himself faithful. And he that began the work in me began the work in them. And so I laid it on the altar. 26 days left in a year. Lord, teach me to number my days that I might grow in wisdom. What worked yesterday may not work today. What he told you to do five years ago in a particular situation may not be the same response today. Lord, teach me number my days. You know, as we consider Jesus, 
Van, y'all can go ahead and come back up. <clears throat> um, I want to take a look at Hebrews 5. Brock, I did not give you this one. Give me grace. Hebrews 5.12. Y'all give, give Brock a hand. He's got a he's got a follow mama all over the place. Them media people. Poor things. We we run them ragged. Hebrews 5:12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. The first principles of the oracles of God. And once you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. He's a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You want to know the interesting thing about that? Is the, the, the babe, the milk is the basic doctrine. Basic doctrines being, you know, laying on a hand and stuff. The transfer of the anointing. People oftentimes think that stuff like that, the signs and the wonders are the, ooh, Jesus really showed up. And, and Hebrews tells us that's the basic things. There's power and laying on of hands, we're all about it. There's a transfer of the anointing that takes place when that happens. But you know what the real meat of the word is described here in Hebrews? Go and get the book. Some of you need to write, get your pens ready. Holiest of All by Andrew Murray. It's a commentary on the whole book of Hebrews. And it will teach you how to enter his rest. And that, my friends, is the meat of the word. The very thing that religion has told us is not for today. His very presence, the tangible presence that you and I would learn to live That is the meat for today. I didn't say it. Hebrews said it. Hebrews 4, 3 and 10 says, why don't y'all stand with me as we read this? Because the Lord's taking me in a different direction. None of this is planned. For we who have believed do enter that rest. And as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. In other words, Lisa, as we begin to enter the place behind the veil, we no longer live in a place of works, but we live in his presence. How many of you want to know? That's why scripture says things like his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Look, people laugh and they say, y'all are so busy. 
no, we're actually not, not compared to what we used to be. But the reason we can sustain it is because it's from a place of his presence. When it's from a place of his presence, I'm no longer working unto man, but that which is holy unto the Lord, working out of his strength. That's how Jesus could heal on the Sabbath. He was in the rest of the Lord. Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us therefore be diligent. Everybody say diligent. Diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Y'all, if we are to do one thing, you and I are to be forcefully diligent about finding the rest of God. People think we're crazy. Look, that's why we turn on the worship. I wake up, worship goes on. I'm in the shower. Driving on the interstate. Jonathan's like, Mom, what language are you speaking? I'm speaking the language of love. For the love of God is what? Shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Diligently to enter into the rest of God. And Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. It's time for an awakening. And I don't know about you, but the Lord has been apprehending me yet again for the greatest outpouring of His presence that I've ever experienced. And I'm going to spend the next 26 days considering who Jesus is. Not considering my failures or mistakes or the resources around me or the things happening. But I'm going to consider Jesus, my apostle and my high priest. I'm going to diligently enter into his rest. Enter into the presence. Enter into the place behind the veil that I might be prepared, that he might find good soil in this heart, a vessel usable for his glory. Why don't you raise your hand right where you are? You're like, lady, what are you doing? I'm just worshiping him and I'm having fun. As my husband says, I'm just acting as a secretary, setting up an appointment for you and him. jacket. Can you come down here too? Yeah, right there. Thank you, Jesus. Paula, come on over, sis. Carol, come on down, Carol. Why don't you just come stand next to Tony? Paula, Carol, y'all come stand over here as well. Guys, can y'all help move them all in a row? Thank you, Jesus. Let's get ready to worship. If you've got to head out, head out. The rest of us, we're going to enter his rest together today.